Hey everybody, it's John. Welcome to The Hustle. Now typically, if you're new, our mission here is to, say it with me, tell the stories that don't get told as often of the artists that deserve more attention. Now, having said all that, this week's guest does not really apply. This week's guest is the great Carlos Alomar. Carlos, if you don't know, was David Bowie's longtime rhythm guitarist, musical director, collaborator, co-songwriter, friend for most of the last 40 years. He's co-written some of David's biggest hits, including Fame and Never Let Me Down, which you're listening to right now. So we talk a lot about that. Now, if you listened to last week's episode with Carlos's wife, Robin Clark of Simple Minds, you know that we focused more there on what David was like as a regular guy, just him the man. This week we dive much deeper into the music. I had pages of notes and questions, and so I could have kept him for days. That wasn't possible, obviously. There's never enough time. There's always more to discuss. I tried to incorporate some of the questions that were sent in by listeners. There was a lot I didn't get to. There was a lot I thought better of asking after we started talking. I kind of decided maybe it wasn't appropriate. So I hope you're happy with what we have here. I love this man. He's one of my favorite musicians of all time. And so uh, it was pretty mind-blowing for me. You'll also notice, I think, that Carlos is a very enlightened man. His view of music and creativity and his career and his career as it pertains to Bowie is a much bigger, broader picture than what most of us have. I, I was talking to him feeling like my my perception of things is probably very, very limited. Hopefully it's still a worthwhile conversation. I think he's the greatest. He called me from his home in New York City. I have loved you and been aware of you pretty much as long as I've been aware of music. And I've told this story many times on my podcast here that David Bowie is my all-time favorite artist of any kind. I don't know that I've spent a day of the last 33 years of my life when I didn't think about him. I discovered him at 10, and I discovered you shortly thereafter. So you've been a major part of my life for most of it. And so I'm curious, though. I, well, so first and foremost, i got to tell you, I think it's amazing that you're still married after 45 years. And yeah, I gotta, isn't that crazy? That's like 145 in rock and roll years. It's, it's too, if you look at a, you could either go a minus number or a plus number. If you look at rock and roll, it's saying, yeah, but you're on the road for a year and a half, and you're, yeah. you're in the studio for a whole month. So if you look at 45, it might be 20. That's but true. if you look at the intensity of the moments when yeah. you long and you miss, and then you come back and you try to make up, then you're doubling everything by the longing and then yeah. doubling it again for the wanting. And yeah. so there, you know, it's a conundrum to say the least. Uh, but it's so interesting because you, in a marriage, when you come back, look, yeah. imagine a marriage where you have no story. Yeah. Imagine a marriage where the job is the same every day. How was your job, honey? Exactly right. the same as it's been for the last 20 years, honey. Right. <laughs> right. Right. my life, I've never had the, I have never had the same day. That's crazy. Isn't the that The rest crazy? of us have to go to the cubicles every day and you guys I'm get just, free. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. I am paid 
crazy money mm-hmm. to have the most fun and oh. to develop my personality. Yeah. I mean, what is that? That's like I know. This world. Amazing. I know. When I, when I learned that you two were married, I assumed you were no longer married, just like every other famous couple out there. So when I talked okay. to Robin and you guys were still at it for almost 45 years, I mean, that's a miracle. So above and beyond any of your creative output, that might be one of the most amazing things you've ever accomplished. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I can, yes, okay, good. Now, <laughs> okay, so I, we got to talk about But I will say I'm very easy to get along with. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure that helps a lot. And, and you know what? Quite honestly, though, we laugh so much. Good. Um, we 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 are very happy people. We're very spiritual people, and we're yeah. very giving people. As long as you don't have a lot of ego, you yeah. can go through this life as a real odyssey and share it with other people. And yeah. you know what? You could you could be all right. You know, you don't have to live a life protected. Yeah. It's a miracle. It really is. I'm really happy for you guys, especially since I love you both so much for your individual things, and I didn't even realize until lately you were even married to each other. So it's like two well, of my favorite artists are together and happy. That's, that's amazing. Well, wait till, well, wait till you meet our daughter. Yeah, I had, I wondered about yeah, that. She's, she's, a, she's, a she's a dance artist. She has, she has, the oh, hit, she has hit records. David Morales, and she no does with, with Louis Vega, and uh, really, I mean, she's, she's had her best electronic album, and wow. it's crazy. It's so weird because one room will have all this rock and roll blasting, and the other room will have all yeah. this R&B blasting, right. and the other room will have all this dance music, <laughs> and so it, in a strange way, it is truly a generational environment yeah. here. Sure. And in that, we were constantly not only nurturing each other, but we're also safeguarding the, the projection that we have. My daughter mm-hmm. comes in with certain music that I've never heard mm-hmm. before. She sure. takes me out. I show Robin music, you know. Of course. And, Everyone's and, and influencing really, each other. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Right on. Good for you. That's heroic. So I'm curious. Are you too close to David Bowie's music? to listen to it on your own volition because you enjoy it? Or is it too much like work for you? You know what I mean? That's a, that's a great question because... Oh, that's a really good question. All right. got to be honest. If you should ask me, 
Have I ever listened to any of David Bowie's full albums more than four times? Huh. I have to say no. Really? Well, here, here's what happens. We get contracted to do a record session. And so we go in there and we, like, let's say, I'll go in there. I'll do the rhythm section. So I'm involved in the bass level of right. There's nothing there, and the bass, the drums, and the rhythm guitar come in, and we give them everything we want, and there might be a little indication of something that's coming up. Other than that, once we finish our part, yeah. the bass player and the drummer leave. Dennis and George leave. Yeah. And then yeah. I might stay there a little bit longer if Brian is there or Tony is there or, or he wants me to help uh you know, somebody do this or do that, and that's fine. But other than that, mm. then I Step can away. go home, or yeah. I can go back to the hotel, or I can enjoy the place where I am, or whatever. Yeah. In the beginning, it was a curious thing, but many, many albums later, you find you can do a few things because you're not really needed there. So if I decide to go home, or Robin's with me, I just go traveling with her. But if not, I yeah. just go home. So now Amazing. I'm home. I'm waiting for the release of the record. Yeah. I don't I don't even know if of the twenty tracks that we did, which one actually made the record. Right. It's a it's an amazing I've never I've, I've, I've never, never met Fripp. I've never met Robert Fripp. You never met him? He did all all these people did overdubs. Yeah. Well, I just I, assumed, you know, I assumed everybody why you think I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like wow. to meet him one day. Oh my gosh! I, I read the album covers, and there's oh, this guy played oh. that, and that guy played yeah. that. Yeah, like, oh, that's real cool. He sounds Whoa. real good. And so I get home. I finally get the record, and it's not like they send me a record. Hello, you I have to go buy your own copy. Hello. What? Well, sometimes the record company might send me one, but it's not <laughs> usual. Then the. Uh, I don't even have cassettes or CDs or, or anything oh, from the session. So I, I did my work. Everything is great. I like what I did. I hope you liked it, too. Uh -huh. I'm done. I go home. Wow. I get the record. I turn off the lights. I put it on. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. It sounds great. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, that's and, then it. That, and then that's it. Oh, well, my gosh. But, but, look, if you go on allmusic.com, you'll see. I'm there all day. Uh, every 1980, day. Yeah. Carlos Alomar. In 1980, there's four albums. Even yep. David was yeah. shocked when he realized, how could you do a whole four albums and then you went on tour and then you came home and then you were doing another tour with somebody else in Japan and then you yep. came home and then you did two other people's albums. And, and it's just like, yes, I'm home for a month, but I got to go and do somebody else's album for another yeah. month. And so this constant music, influence of all wow. these different genres by my, my mind is I go you know, I come home and I might listen to a little classical music. Really? Maybe it's the detox, it, it, right? Your brain no, fit in no. so many different it's, genres. It's it's come. not even that. I cannot be so influenced by hearing oh. other people's music mm. that I might play that music when I go to record. Whoa. Oh man. You have to oh, think. If yes. I'm going to be, how do I come up 
with so many signature lines? How do yeah. I come up with so many crazy ideas in so many different genres and so many different directions? And they don't sound like anybody else. And I've got to yeah. constantly, I've got to constantly listen. We know that music has an emotional attachment to it, right? right. But we have certain people listen to it. For instance, if you listen to a waterfall, can you tell what the cadence is? If you hear the droplets, can you hear the notes in the droplets? Certain things you hear, right. you you constantly hear the windshield wipers yeah. going back and forth in the rain, but can you feel the rhythm of it? If you're a musician, music is everywhere. You don't yeah, have to turn on the radio. Yeah, that's true. And, and Boy, so you that. you you hear music in things. It's called yeah. a soundscape. Yeah, and so within yeah. the soundscape of life, there's all this music going on. Very true. And so yeah. if I should come home and suddenly start listening to the genre or to the rhythm of the music that's being played on a set list or on a uh -huh. playlist or on a radio or whatever, it's a constant. And so that wow. constant gets embedded into your brain yeah. without you thinking about it. You got the same beat as the other person. Yeah. When the yeah. when the beats go from ninety eight beats per minute to one hundred and ten beats per minute, it's the cadence. And the next thing you know, you're counting off a song like this: one, two, three, four. Well, you know right. what? In the old days, it used to be one, two, three, four. And this is so subliminal that yeah. most people that aren't, you know, uh, people like music. But they're not right. charged with being a conductor. They're not charged sure. with a family. They're yeah. not being charged with being a ranger. And so it's yeah. a totally different mindset. Yeah, you're inside of it. Most people listen to music from the outside and they enjoy it. They have an emotional reaction. You're actually inside of it, making it yeah. work. You're seeing the how the sausage is made, so to speak. Exactly. Interesting. David, okay. David will say, "I have this idea. I, I have this idea for this song," and, and he plays a few little things. And I'm not really listening to what he's playing. Uh -huh. I'm listening for what is the emotional attachment that you're trying to give. Is this right. a happy song? I can tell it's a happy song and then he started playing it. Or I can yeah. tell this is a sad song. Or I can tell right. this song has somewhat of a pensive type of cadence to it. Yeah. You know, you know, he's strumming a kind of, you know, ground control to me. It's almost lethargic, you know? Yeah, yeah. You hear yeah. it, and it, you know, certain uh, station to station was yeah. like a dread. It was like you're you're carrying a ball and just da da right. It's just like yeah. you have to fight to hold the tempo down. And it's interesting then, you mentioned yeah. that one. I was going to ask you, because, you know, as fans, millions of us, as soon as we found out he died, we turned to our David Bowie records and the two emotive ones, like Heroes, was too on the nose. That was too powerful. And then there's the stuff that's like Fame is too upbeat. That's not fitting my mood either. Mm -hmm. I played Station to Station on a loop for like four days after. That was the song that fit my mood. I've wondered the same thing. Is it because it starts out kind of slow and then it turns into this almost a celebratory thing? I don't know what it was, but I wondered if you had anything like that. But it sounds like you don't even play the music, even though you've performed it. I did listen to some songs. You did? Uh, here, so what here, was yeah. the one? That's what I want to know. What right. did you here's go a, to when that one? I went, I, I played a few songs, and here's what I played. 
Okay. First, I played somebody up there like this. Loving the Alien. A masterpiece. And I, I, you know, and I was thinking, I would have loved to have heard Grace Jones sing Loving the Alien. The oh band. my gosh. Yes. Loving the Alien. I'm actually wearing, I'm wearing a Grace Jones t-shirt right now. Uh, talk. I, Can you believe that? I, I would have said to myself, <laughs> yeah. that's some grand shit. That would have been amazing. No, you can say it. That would have been the intensity that I needed to really look at the reverence of this alien man and the character of a of a nuance like Grace Jones. You know, you know. I I listened to that. I think I oh I listened to Weeping Wall. Oh wow! Some of the low stuff. Yeah, I felt a little dark, and I wanted to go into another world. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and 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 his saxophone playing is just crying and lamenting. Sure. Then, then I got a little bit, a little overrun, and I just do this stuff. Yeah. All right, enough of that. Interesting. Interesting. I think you guys probably hate this question, and because we always hear your songs are like children, but. I know the songs you've written, and I want to ask you specifically. I, those are among my favorites, so I want to I want to hit on those here in a minute. But this was a question actually sent in by a listener. When you were performing, I mean, you've had years of performing and and being out there. Did you have a favorite track to play? Are you talking about on stage uh, when I on the road? Well, yeah. When you were playing in shows, was there a particular song that yeah, you really got off? There is one song that I really got off on, and. It was called the Alabama song. Oh, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. No, don't ask why. For we must find the next whiskey bar. Or if we don't find the next whiskey bar. I tell you we must die. I tell you we must die. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die. Say goodbye. We've lost our good old mama and must have whiskey, or you know why. Oh, move, no, follow by. Oh, yeah. 
the bird and the reason, yeah. yeah. And, and the reason was, David came to me and he said, Carlos, have you ever heard this song? I was like, uh, I think who did that? Morrison or yeah, the some, some, Jim Morrison did it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. What about it? Uh-huh. Did you ever hear the original? And I was like, no. And I'm still crying. Like, yeah. Well, you took it. Yeah. Like, where are we going? You know, was, yeah, because he was, you know, like he came up once. He was excited about Kraftwerk, and he wanted me to hear Kraftwerk, and I, and I listened right. to all the Kraftwerk, and then he wanted he wanted me to see Monty Python, and he wanted me to see Faulty <laughs> Towers. Oh, that's great. He would always come to me at all these. And it was, yeah. what the hell did the kid from the Bronx know about it? Anyway, and he comes and he says, I want an arrangement for this song. And I'm like, okay. And so I listened to the original, and then I went, oh, jeez, this is a little bit avant-garde, a little bit crazy. Because yeah. I felt more like I want to create a surreal circus, type oh. of and I'm thinking French and I'm thinking right a little bit off the wall and the orchestration is a little bit twisted and yeah and and I'm thinking about France and accordions and uh-huh. just not what my you know I'm going uh-huh. off and I know I'm going off but with David he doesn't if I go off he doesn't care oh and great so I can I can go off the ledge and so I come back with this idea, and he's like, oh, I love it, I love it. So when we finished it, and I heard it, and we performed it, it was just so cool. I, it, just, I love that song. Yeah, for, for for my arrangements and just giving him what he wanted, but he doesn't know what he wants until he right. hears it, and then he yeah. just goes, yeah, that, that, that's it. I wow. thought that for me that was one of the most, Really uh, challenging thing, yeah. and I have done some pretty crazy challenges. But oh, I, I can imagine for some reason that that particular one took my weirdness and my yeah. composition and theory to another to, to a totally different place. So I I would count that as one of my better. I don't. Would I say better arrangement? I, you know what? In its weirdness, I'd have to say it was one of my strangest arrangements. Really. Well, it was yeah, probably right like it. it probably sticks out because you got to really expand and experiment, and he loved it, and it's, it's out it's there. So, and it's so unusual for the other night. Yeah, no, yeah. That song does not belong on any album. It's just no. so weird. Wasn't it? It was a bonus track to the Scary yeah. Monsters reissue, right? Yeah. And yeah. It was just like, all right, this is this is cool. Yeah. Finally, the world gets to hear this. Oh, and that was so interesting. And right that, on. That yes, Harry Monsters album was so cool. That's my favorite I, Bowie album. Yeah, me yeah. too. Because yeah, it was really. And I was, yeah, because I was kind of like for all that downer stuff, and we wanted yeah. to do a really lively album. And it's no game and up the hill backwards. Oh my gosh! And, and oh, all man. those songs are like oh, up the hill. Oh, what was that? So dance, dance, dance. The mentality by the I think that is up the hill backwards, right? It is. So he had so he starts playing this thing and I'm like, Yeah man, that's really cool. Why don't we just like do it? Oh diddly dance 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 diddly both diddly have you heard
No, 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 It doesn't have to stay there. Well, we can yeah. just dance, 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 dance. But look, okay, okay. How about if I do it in split time? Dance, 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 not do that. Like, yeah. Talent created. Then we like calm down. And the minute he stopped singing, I was like, okay, you finished singing? That's that, 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 that. And it was like, okay, 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 okay. It's so like, whoa. So it's really a lot of fun because yeah. if you really listen to a lot of the mixtures of beats and arrangements yes. and how things they don't stay still. No. They they will settle down for a minute so that his right. voice can project and he attracts you to his lyric and what emotionally he wants you to pay attention to. But once he releases the attention given the word and the lyric and the musical form has already impacted on you, the music then can drive it home. Yeah. And and how it drives it home can 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 vary considerably. Wow, that is so crazy to hear that that's your favorite, too. And that's in, like, my top five, ten favorite albums of all time. Ah, and it, get out of here. You're just saying that. No, I'm <laughs> it, you know what's funny? You know how people who love music, they make a lot of lists, right? Mm-hmm. This is my number one song, my number one whatever. The last time I made a list, Scary Monsters was my number ten favorite album of all time. Mm. But my number three favorite album of all time is Iggy Pop's Lust for Life. And you played on that too. Yeah, you know, it was so cool because, I mean, a lot of people talk about the trilogy, and, you know, I get it, and iconically uh-huh. speaking, it did depart from many of the other things. But for me, to be honest, 
really started when David said, Carlos, I want you to, I want to redo Iggy, and I want you to come with me, and I want, because I, I did both of those albums. And yeah. I, and I loved Iggy, because I didn't meet Iggy. I didn't know Iggy. I, who the hell is this? Really? Just like, who the hell are the spiders from Mars? I right. Knew Jimmy, I knew Jimmy Osterberg. But I've I heard he's Iggy. a very different person, just regularly. He's just, he's just the sweetest, calmest, looking over his glasses as he reads the New York Times with his legs crossed, having a oh. cup of tea. This is like the oh, most man. civilized crocodile you ever saw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he's just the sweetest man. And yet you go into the studio and he starts talking about him. You're stepping on my heart. Ma, why are you stepping uh-huh. on me? And he's like going through his primal screen therapy. Yes. And I'm yes. going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and so this is where, you know, people don't understand that in the... Iggy, come on, we're going to help Iggy get his career. And then Iggy gets himself together. And then Iggy's like, I want to be clean. I want to do straight. On, you know, thank you, David. But now, right. David, I'm going to help you. You know, we got to get it. we got to keep it together, brother. Come on. Yeah. Let, let's go to Berlin. You know, we'll call Brian. We'll, we'll put our heads down. We'll keep working, you know. And, and people have a tendency to separate everything when in reality, right. this is to try to, you know, people are human, like Iggy, you know, uh-huh. had a hard time, his friend comes out, tries to help him out, and then in turn, you know, yeah. David is going through problems, you know, money is low, marriage right. is a little crazy, drugs have right. to stop, you know, yeah. let's see if we can work and not use drugs and see if the music is still, there's all these things going on that regular people suffer through. I mean, look, we as fans, we can easily in hindsight look back and say, oh, he was always, you know, Bowie Bond Bowie, and he right. was always, uh, right. you know, rich and millionaire and famous, no. and, he was, oh, and it's just like, get out of here. Yeah, that's the fascinating about? thing. I mean, you know, he's this god to regular people like me, and I really was kind of picking Robin's brain when I realized she was open to talking about it. I wanted to know regular things like what was his favorite food, and did he ever come crying your Mel. shoulder when he? When it, that's what I, that's what she was saying. When, you know, did he ever come crying your shoulder when he was heartbroken? Did you ever see him in his pajamas? What movies did he like? You know, crazy things. Because I just wanted to like humanize him. You guys saw a regular guy, and we only see you know the rock icon that's up on a pedestal. Yeah, it happens that way, you know. It's like when you see a picture, the picture is not moving. The picture is frozen. And in that minute that it's frozen, you get a glimpse of a moment. But that moment does not indicate the forward or backward motion of one's life. Yeah, You could be moving backwards in your life and such turmoil and everything, and this one moment caught you. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it speaks amounts, maybe it says a lot, but maybe it doesn't say anything really. It's right. just a moment. Yeah. It could never it could never uh summarize what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and so interesting. Now you mentioned about Iggy, I'm curious about something and this is something I I had written down. It seems to me as an outsider that David, kind of like you were saying, was sort of helping Iggy out at various times throughout his career, like covering Sister Midnight as Red Money, which I'm going to ask you more about in a minute, and doing, you know, China Girl, and then you guys writing Dancing with the Big Boys. Were those sort of, like, 
David sort of throwing Iggy a bone because he didn't have to cross pollinate like that, but he chose to. Or was it legitimately? I want to cover China Girl. Not that you would know that one, maybe, but because that is an amazing song and it deserves more attention. Was he sort of helping Iggy along the way during those darker times? Well, let me ask you a question with a question. Okay. If I might. Yeah. Why? Why can't it be both? Yeah, you're right. I just wondered if there was some kind of, I don't know, you know. But, I mean, we don't make decisions like that. Yeah, okay. We actually make a decision and say it might be that it might help him out or it might be that I just like that song. If it happens to go on both sides, why on earth would you even consider that it's not okay? Yeah, true. I mean, if we're really going to humanize something, and we know that as a byproduct, it could help somebody. Mm-hmm. And you felt that you wanted to do Look, I've always been taught a yes is a yes and a no is a no. There is no maybe. There really isn't. Look, if you ask me a question, the answer is yes, I'll tell you yes. <laughs> if the answer is is a no, I'll tell you no, but there's no real maybe in the middle mm-hmm. of it, you know. So yeah. I say if, in fact, he made a decision based on either one of those two, then he made that decision. But yeah. if the decision as a byproduct also did the other, mm. so what? Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, They're great songs. The we, I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. I was just always, I've always been curious. Well, in hindsight, they both work. So if he decided yeah, to absolutely. That's the song, well, he, he was right. And he yeah. the songs that held uh, Iggy. He was still right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you look at it. Yeah. The question really answers itself because, yeah. in effect, you can't go wrong with either proposition. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, hey, I'm curious about something. You you were playing with the main ingredient when David Bowie came along. How did you see yourself at that age? Where did you think you were going? Because this, you know, British alien avant-garde artist swooping in and kind of taking you on his rocket ship with him for the next 40 years. That couldn't have been in the plan, but did that kind of blow your mind? What was the plan just prior to that? Where did you think you would end up? I think you might be romanticizing drama. drama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can I answer it simply? Yeah, sure. Oh, good. I was making $200 more. (laughs) That phone rings. For Robin and I, for 40, for 50 years, yeah. I don't have anybody's telephone number. <laughs> I don't have Duran Duran. I don't have Cindy Lauper. I don't have uh, Latin artists. I don't have jazz uh-huh. artists. I don't have nobody's telephone number. I don't have anybody's number. That phone rings, and there's somebody on the other line. Oh, excuse me. I got Sir Paul McCartney on this one. I got Bowie. I got some. I answer the phone, and they say, are you available for a gig? And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, sure. Robin and I are very curious people. And as working session musicians, we very rarely say no. Why? Sure. Why would you say no when the adventure is outside the door? Yeah. We are very curious, and we're very adventurous. How do you work with so many different genres of music? You might say to yourself, oh, sorry, that's not my style. I don't know yeah. how to play that. Are you crazy? Right. I would never say that. Uh, Cindy Lauper calls me up and says, Carlos, yeah, you play mandolin? 
playing downstairs and a mandolin, so I bought myself a mandolin, tuned it like a guitar, and went and did that gig and just tuned it like a guitar and just kept on walking. That's awesome. Why? Because yeah. I know that what you want is a mandolin sound. Yeah. I don't know how to play mandolin tuning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to figure it out because I want to. I want to participate, but, right? You know, and you and you listen to the conversation that we're having, yeah. and you and fans of life have to open yourself up to the fact that life is not mysterious. Yeah. It's really quite simple, if you allow it to. You, first, you can't be scared. B, you you have to be curious and courageous. Sure. And you and you have to think, I I can bring something, even if what I bring is me, and me and you together will do something that you or me alone could never do. And so I'm never really concerned with, can I do this jazz gig? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I can. So let me let me do it, and, and I work it works out fine. Why? I listen. Yeah. I've been taught sometimes less is more. That's incredible. Good. Yeah, good for you, man. That's great. Well, just, and it's great advice for your people to, to, yeah. to understand. Yeah, you know, very sometimes true. We want, sometimes we want to complicate things and make them so so different, and yet we make them so different that they're unattainable by any means. Yeah. And yet when you look at them in the light of day and all the mystery is, is taken off, you realize... It's just a common human experience and a yeah. common choice that most people won't make the choice. Yeah. Because yeah. they're scared or, or they don't want to leave something secure or they yeah. don't think that they are worthy. I mean, I don't know why right. people right. don't take the chance. I mean, there's a movie that says, just say yes to everything. Right. You know, right. see what happens. Well, I happen yeah. to live that life. I live. I like to live a life that I go downstairs. I'm in a hotel. I could stay in my hotel, but I don't want to. I just finished doing a show. My gentleman is pumping a model mini. I yeah. go downstairs. There's all these signs. I look at the signs and I say, "Who's got a car? How do I do? Where's the, where's the nearest club? Where can we go hang out? Oh, this place is silent. Okay, let's go." Right. All of, them in, all of them get in their car. Just it's their town. We go hang out. I don't have to worry about it. Stupid velvet rope, or some mm-hmm. manager wanted me to come to their club so that they can have bragging. I don't have to worry about none of that. I'm with my fans. I, you know, I don't drink a lot, so I'll have a drink or two, and they'll buy me one or two drinks, and it's cool. Uh-huh. And they treat right. me nice. And for that night, I have made the best friends, and we're like buddies. You know, we're yeah. like, yeah. all of a we hung out all night long, man. He's my best friend. I. And next time I go to somebody else and I do, do that. But that memory, yeah, of that night with that person, oh my that's God, great. they'll never forget it for as long as they live. Yeah, well, no and, kidding. And, you know, that's that's. Jeez. I think that's cool. Yeah. You know, well, you you're doing it now. Yourself. I mean, yeah. No, you're doing it now oh, for for well, me. That's for sure. Well, me and Robin and Lee are pretty open. We found that it's the best way to evolve. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad. Well, so I want to ask you about the songs you wrote specifically. From my count, there are six of them that were on David Bowie albums, I think, I well, believe. you know, the funny thing is that there's more, but because they didn't make the records, then you count the ones that made them. And yeah. And that's, I think that's okay. That was another question that a listener sent in, was how much unreleased stuff was out there. It sounds like there might be 
there might be some. But based on what you were saying earlier, it sounds like you don't have recordings of it or you don't know where it is. No, because it's very easy to trust your friends. I'm not saying it's an untrustworthy thing. I just mean you aren't a collector of nah. that kind of stuff. Okay. Nah. I don't, I don't dwell. I don't dwell on things I can't control. Yeah. Okay. So of the six songs that came out on albums, Fame, Secret Life of Arabia, Red Money, DJ, Dancing with the Big Boys, and Never Let Me Down. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Five, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that five? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, I thought that was six. Let's kick it off with Fame, number one song. writing lyrics or are you always the music person? I'm always the music. Okay. So what did David hear in, I believe it was a riff that you had created from another song and now that we're talking, I'm blanking on the name of the song. What, what song are you talking about? Fame? We're talking about fame, yeah. Oh yeah, it's foot stomping. Foot stomping, that's it, yes. So you've got a, a lick from another song that you that he likes and he took a bunch of pieces of disparate things and pieced them together to make that song. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, if you listen to the Dick Cavett show, there's this song that we yeah. did called Foot Stomping. And you can hear a little lighter. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, 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 and that was yes. it. So he okay. basically took the bass and drums and that little guitar, and basically okay. he just took that and he looped it back and forth and back and forth so that it would have a more blues form, okay. what we Got call it. a one four five four progression. And okay. then when we got together with Electric Lady, uh, John Lennon came down. He was very excited to have John Lennon. So John strummed a few guitar parts on there, and then they decided to go to dinner. They asked me if I wanted to go, but I had some ideas I wanted to put down. And so they went and I stayed there. And then when David came back, I had laid down all these different guitar parts, and he said, oh, my God, it's fabulous. And uh, he put that one little guitar part, and the next thing I know, that was it. The song was done. Crazy. Then he went and wrote some lyrics, put it down, and that was that. That is nuts. And then it goes to number one. One thing I've always thought was really interesting about that song is if you didn't know that John Lennon co-wrote it, you don't necessarily hear him on that song, even though I know he sings on it. I always thought that was an odd choice. If you have John Lennon, why wouldn't you feature him a little more? Because it wasn't really that. It's more to put these names together on a record. The way that you give credit is very, it's up to the artist to, inspired by. Yeah. Um, we had done, uh, what's that other song? Across the Universe. Mm-hmm. And so there was already that tribute type of feeling with him. And so when you go into the studio and you're already doing one song and and you end up doing the second song, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know you're know, you inspired by it. On a musical level, 
there's not a lot of, of John on, on the tracks. You know, there's a backward mm-hmm. piano and a little strumming in the beginning. and So it's not that kind of influence. But when it comes to lyric and it comes to the inspiration of the lyric and maybe conversations that were had when yeah. we went to dinner, all of these nuances, I, I'm not privy to them. Mm-hmm. And so it would be unfair for me to this. I can certainly speak about the music and say right. my guitars are all over that. You know, nobody sure, else sure. is on there mostly. But there are a few small little parts. But other than that, that's it. You know, there's no, there's no slicky on it. There's no, there's no other prominent guitars. And so, yeah. But what did they talk about in dinner? You know, yeah. what? Why did he choose fame? And look, yeah. if there's anybody that can talk to you about fame, it's yeah. Dan John so Lennon. And what do I know? Yeah. And so we 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 have to leave those artistic decisions mm. about who you give credit to and why you gave credit to and how they inspired you to write this song. If mm-hmm. you were amused and they decide to give you credit for the inspiration you gave yeah. them, yeah. How 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 are we to know, and why are we to know? Right. Just Interesting. Saying. My favorite Bowie song ever is Heroes, like millions of others. Mm-hmm. But like big hits, you kind of sometimes, even though, even if you love them, you get sick of hearing them. After, you know, sometimes they aren't always the thing you want, most of all. So if I'm honest about it, my favorite song of David Bowie's, who is my favorite artist of all time, that isn't Heroes, is The Secret Life of Arabia. Curious where that came from, because it's got well, the greatest bass lick that's ever. The thing. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I had this idea for this song, and this this riff just kept coming out, and I just wanted to lay it, and I kept telling them, "Dude, just just stay there." <laughs> Don't move. Just it's a great lick. That's what I'm telling them. I like, yeah, we could do a few little things there. But look, when you hit that groove, just don't move it. I know yeah. it's going to get monotonous, but it's a groove thing, man. So just yeah. just don't 
rock the boat, just lay it down. Yeah. And so we did it, and all they had to do was just think of whatever vocals or whatever thing you wanted right. to do. And like every once in a while, we did it and released Secret, Secret, Never Dream. And then, uh-huh. and then right back, just right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's just a stone called groove, you know? It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Man, I. And, and so, stuff. you know, sometimes you, sometimes you hit a what we call a pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you hit the pocket, you 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 don't. You know, no. Dennis Davis is just pushing yes. that song with his high hat, and he's just like, you see, that's the one thing. David realized early on that he had the damn trio. Uh, uh-huh. Davis, Murray, and Alomar, or, or damn for Davis, Alomar, and Murray. And we <laughs> were just locked in so tight. We could do arrangements yeah. and flip the beats and just because we had that kind of communication right. together where we would know that we can do anything we want and then we were waiting for that one time and when we hit, we hit together. And that's mm-hmm. why I was always against David. Just keep the rhythm. We'll do the basic tracks and then once you do the basic track, then you can do anything you want with anybody else. Yeah. And look, there are many times where I put a lot of guitar parts down, uh-huh. and then I'll come back and I hear all these other guitar players playing my part. Really? Yeah, because oh, I lay down, you know, you lay down tracks to to the placeholders. Yeah. And, and and it's fine. I have absolutely no problem with it as long uh-huh. as it's good for the song. Sure, you sure. Know, we, you know, we mustn't have really? egos about all that stuff. We just have to do what's best for the song. Well, and, I mean, you said that. It, it's becoming clear to me that so much of this recording is, like you were saying, in pieces. I, I've always heard that about, like, early on his lyrics, how he would, you know, write things down on strips of paper and then throw them in the air, and they didn't even have to make sense that they would be put together. But it almost sounds like some of these songs are being put together that way. There's a little snippet here, like you were saying about oh, the guitar man. parts the same. Is that, is that sort of his way? It's not really jamming in a studio. It's, well, it's why would you say that? Ideas. It is. It is. Oh, is Look, it? I don't know. I'm just well, going by I'll what you're you. saying. Okay, here's what it is. I get a call. Hey, man, we're going to Switzerland. We're going to do this record. Oh, okay. We get there. Uh, you got any materials? No. <laughs> How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> now what? You see, right. everybody's thinking all these thoughts. And how about, all right, we got nothing. So yeah. we start thinking of some some crazy ideas here and there. Next thing you know, boom, hit album. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to come back. So we go on the road and we're on the road at the company. goes, hey, man, you got to come back and you got to do another album. But look, we're on the road touring the last album. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any chance to work out any material. Look, yeah. we got to come back and do the album. All right. So now we're back in the studio. <laughs> you got any ideas? No. <laughs> got any grooves or something? Sure, I've been kind of working on this one. Okay, let's hear it. Let's see what we can do. And so this happened for a few hours until finally David was like, I have some time off. I'm going to get some music. One time we, he comes in and he had to Switzerland or someplace. And, you know, he he came with all these demos and stuff, yeah. you know, and he let me hear them. And I was like, dude, you got this guy sounding just like me mm-hmm. on these demos and it sucks. So mm-hmm. what are you doing? It's just like, okay, I get the idea, but you could have strummed this on a guitar like you usually do. I let me hear right. a demo. 
It's just that you kind of get used to demos, and then you just want to produce those on the demo. But you know right. what? You, even in a case like that, so what? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's his, it's his call. Yeah, yeah, true. See, no matter what happens yeah, as sure. a musician, you cannot place any egos in there. He's the yeah. boss, and if he wants to do anything like that, we got plenty of ammunition in our guns. We can fire right any on. way you want. Yeah, and right so, on. You know, which oh, is like great. when we did when we did Eno, it was so different because the methodologies that we used for the trilogy album with Brian weren't yeah. your usual forms, you know. He right. wants you to think outside of the box, you know, and right. so it's like somebody coming and taping your guitar up and saying, Okay, play it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. you just put tape on my guitar. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna play it. Yeah, but let's see what happens, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that okay. one threw me into a totally different place, which I love. I never recovered from that one. That's really? Okay. Crazy. I was oh, yeah. gonna ask you about that. So oh, yeah. those experimental methods during the Berlin period, you really got off on that. You liked that. I mean, I'm well, sure I you liked did. It but... In hindsight, but it, it, it took me a minute to get used to the, to, to the brain of Brian Eno. Okay. In, okay. In that it's a different methodology that's used with oblique strategies and creating mm-hmm. challenges that don't exist. In yeah. having mindsets that color everything you do before you do them. In mm-hmm. setting up a scenario, it's like you're thinking that you're going to play in an MGM epic. And uh-huh. you end up in a in an IFC film, <laughs> and and everything <laughs> like is a little that. different, and yeah. so you have to accommodate this director that's like, yeah, totally, Jeez. you know, yeah, you're talking uh, surreal, uh, yeah, top of the dolly as opposed yeah. to method acting, and, and yeah, that, you know, yeah, and for me, it allowed me to think. This is really weird. And then don't resist it, Carlos. Just don't resist it. Mm-hmm. Same thing we said before. Just jump in. Yeah. It's a challenge. You know, there's yeah. nothing to be learned here. The next thing you know, wow, it was yeah. unbelievable. And That's then the clearly your ethos. Know, yeah, and then the next thing I know, I'm doing Dream Generator, my own synthesizer guitar album, which is basically trying to duplicate all the stuff that I was feeling when I was doing that damn album. Oh life, is, life is really quite amazing. It your, is, your life it, has been, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I said that in the beginning. Most people yeah. don't even understand. And quite honestly, I, and you know, quite honestly, I guess I don't care. I don't, you know, right now I'm speaking more than I usually speak. I think it's a good thing as I'm older now and, and people, you know, and I think that in, in light of silence, mm-hmm. you get a lot of loud voices. 
Mm-hmm. My, I don't have a very loud voice, and so mm-hmm. sometimes I think I, I need to speak up a little bit and tell everybody what it was like. Yeah. Which nobody is kind of like thinking about it. Not really. It's not really that complicated. It no. is different. It is different. Yeah. Right. In, in, in that you're looking at free souls and you're looking at artists and you're looking at artisans and you're looking at people who are attached to music through their sort of emotional attachments. I mean, the mortal yeah. coil doesn't come al- alone. It's, although it's unfettered, it does come with colors and, right. and, and attachments and, and experiences. And we yeah. have to translate that stuff. You know, we have to translate. Otherwise, well, right. life could be so uncolorful. That's what I was just going to say, is that it's clear to me that you've opened yourself up, and this is probably some of your Buddhism, probably a lot of your experiences in music, going mm-hmm. back however long. You've learned to open yourself up to the wide array of colors and to kind of go wherever, you know, creativity is taking you. That's That's kind of amazing. I wish all of you us know, could you, live our lives. You, like you know what's really cool about it? Me, Robin, and Leah are pretty happy. That's great. And if it doesn't come out in interviews, and it doesn't come out when people meet us, and it doesn't come out in our music, then I think that we might be living a lie. Yeah. And I don't think we're living a lie. That's amazing. You know, That's and amazing. so if, if you could think, if you could do something that makes you happy, and mm-hmm. somebody would pay you, to to do it all over the world and you're not asking for anything and the phone rings for 50 years mm-hmm. and you just keep saying no and every time it happens, it's a hit yeah. and you're happy, then you know what? Although we can say it's a charmed life, it's a charmed life in the fact that we're doing what we love. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that it's an easy life. No, I for, for the artist, we do have a certain amount of doubt. Did I give enough mm-hmm. so that I know I'm happy with it, but we're not doing music for ourselves? Yeah. It, it, will the audience think that it's good enough again? Yeah. If, if it's the issue of what have you done for me lately, do you like me now? Do you still like me? Right, right. It's like if you tweet and you get a million hits because somebody slapped you in the face and you made the stupidest look on your face and everybody laughed like crazy. And they said, this is the stupidest thing. Look at how funny his face is. And the next thing you know, you got a million hits. Right. I mean, are you going to slap yourself in the head again? Right, right, (laughs) right. Just to recreate that? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And again, we're happy with our fans. Our fans are happy with us. We're very grateful for the life we lead. And we're very grateful that they like our music. Yeah. That's so cool. That's really so cool. I know. Because you know what? There's a lot of crappy music out there. Yeah, there sure is. (laughs) No kidding. And when you can last the test of time, it's yeah. good. Okay, i got to throw out some questions that some listeners sent in. Uh, a listener named Mike Jackman asked me to ask you if you were involved at all in the Labyrinth music. No. No, okay. I didn't know if, if you participated in any way. A uh, listener named Billy Fiotis, he asked something that I think is really interesting, too. You know, there's generations of us came to 
Bowie and your work in the 80s, which a lot of people, a lot of critics view, you know, Tonight and Never Let Me Down as sort of the downtime of Bowie's career. But that's when a lot of us got turned on. Billy specifically asked how you view your work on the Tonight album and those songs and, and that period of your life. How do you view that? Start and end at, at an album, you know. Yeah. Are you asking about the album? Or are you asking about the eighties? Because remember, I guess in the eighties, Lennon died. Yeah. Yeah. We were live. David and I were living across from each other in this loft apartment, and uh, and Lennon died. I think in, in the, the winter of eighty. December of eighty. Yeah. Yeah, and so. Depending on when this album was, it was kind of sad in a way. Yeah. And we were meeting Tina Turner. Yeah. Which was really important for David. So he wanted yeah. her. And she's a Buddhist too. So, yeah. You know what? There's, there's so many mixed things. You hope that the record is good enough and that she'll like it. And right. You don't want to get too crazy. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. go off. And you want to give her something that she might have sung. You worry about the arrangements. You know, there's a lot of, and then the record company is getting on your nerves because mm-hmm. they want you to do exactly the same thing that you've had before. Sure. They gave them a hit, and you're right. like, I don't want to do that anymore. It's just, there are more complications that ensue when you're not in control of certain aspects. Yeah, I believe it. I believe and it. So, <clears throat> yeah. You know what? If we look at album per album, there's always going to be the critics. But don't ask the fans. The fans oh, I know. love everything because the fans understand Right. if you see something. If I saw a plane crash and I wrote about it, well, that's pretty tintillating. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting because there's a lot of information. There's a lot of visuals. But if I'm speaking to you in the abstract, it might get lost in translation. If the music is going to 112 beats per minute, and disco is, is, is chiming in, but your songs are at 90 beats per minute, it doesn't quite fit in the airplay. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be put behind another record. You have no idea of, of the, the things that happen. If a reviewer just finished reviewing, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. 
Smashing Pumpkins and, and Nirvana were doing mm-hmm. so and so, and so here you come with something that's not like it's like on the they tell you if there's 18 fast songs, do a ballad. Do you want to do a ballad? No, but the A and R guy says I need a ballad. Yeah, I need a ballad, right? And you're not the one that picks the song. The A and R guy is, and the company right. is, and they pick right. that one. They were wrong, and then you have to follow up, but you don't have the three follow ups on the record, so you got to go in and do another record there. So, yeah, yeah. Some of well, that's why I was that's why I mentioned it because, like I said, Never Let Me Down and Tonight mean a lot to those of us who grew up with those albums. I remember getting Tonight on cassette and playing Loving the Alien over, rewinding it on my Walkman over and over and over and over again. But then, you know, history tells us critics, usually snobby, you know, uh, no fun music critics, tell us, well, that's not what you want. If you're going to listen to Bowie, those aren't the albums you want. But they mean a great deal to some of us, you know. And so I just wonder, if it sounds like you kind of, you're in the same mindset. Where it's like, hey, man, it's just music. We're doing the best we can, and it I means something to somebody. To I do not listen to any reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to listen to a review, find the right one. That's true, Hello. right? There's bound to be one out there that defends Hello. your opinion. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have to be so complicated. It's just yeah. that you get caught in the niche, and you just end up, it becomes a little loop. And yeah. You forget. Just break that loop. Find another review. Yeah, because <laughs> they're yeah. not all bad. <laughs> they're not yeah. all bad. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So I got another one here. Andy O was lead singer of a band, a British band in the early '80s called Blue Zoo that I really liked a lot. They had mm-hmm. some hits in the UK, but they never quite made it to the states. And he was a guest on my podcast earlier as well. And he and I bond over our mutual love of of you and and Bowie in that period. He wanted to know what your favorite Bowie memory was. And that could be anything. I mean, you guys, like Robin and I talked about, you guys lived across the hall from each other. So was it something personal? Was it a joke he told? Was it a, I don't know, a musical memory? What's the favorite thing? We were in Chateau de Harryville, I think. And we were pretty bored. And so he, Dennis Davis, really eats this, but this time, he had, you know, the French, when they make shrimp, they don't cut off the heads. They mm-hmm. kind of just <laughs> langoustine or whatever they're called. And so he had the chef, uh, it was a big bowl of ice, and around it were all the shrimp with their heads, you know, full uh-huh. shrimp, just totally. And when we came down, Dennis Davis was like, oh, no, I ain't eat that shit, man. I, no, man, I don't, I don't like that with no hair pointing back to me. I don't like you, man. So we howled. That was the same night that, for entertainment, he brought down this whole collection of faulty towers. Oh. We, had, we had never seen faulty towers. But when you're in a castle and it's, like, cold and dark and clammy and the only good thing is the wine cellar, you know, and he breaks out these videos of Faulty Tower. No and way. And he stayed up all night long eating <laughs> shrimp because there was plenty because Dennis wasn't going to have any. 
That's amazing. I mean, it's oh, just nice. simple. It's just yeah. simple. Just yeah. things, you know. Oh, of good course, for you. we had many drama times, you know. Sure. You know, Carlos, uh, Garfunkel is coming over, you know, if you can do, you know, uh, you know, John Lennon is going to come over, but I don't want to come to my house. Can we come to your house? Yeah, sure, come over there. You know, there's, there's all these other moments, you know. But yeah. They, you know, you chain them all together. Yeah. They're just buddies just hanging out. Sure, sure. That's the amazing thing. That's that humanizing that I was talking about. Okay. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, right. look have, we in. have a few more questions that yes. I'm going to answer okay. bullets. So if you have okay. fans that Good. need those one note, those those quick responses, then okay. I'm doing those fans. Okay, let's knock it out then. Dave Cruz wants to know, how did David Sobriety specifically change kind of the atmosphere when it came to recording, touring, your friendship? It didn't. It didn't? Okay. It had, no, it had nothing to do with it. Okay, interesting. I mean, you have to remember, if you... Uh, I don't know what people's drugs of choice are. Mm-hmm. Some some makes them a little bit more excited. If they're excitable, then they're just excitable. I love everybody is what mm-hmm. happens if you do too much. If you like to, you know, if you like to slow it down a little bit, then you get a little bit more lethargic. But you're probably already that way anyway. Mm. It doesn't really. You get the job done. You yeah. know what I mean. You you have to remember it's not like that. Nobody ever blamed Billy Holiday for being a junkie. Yeah. No. True. And, and yeah. yes, she opened up her mouth, and when it's time to sing, you just sing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really. It doesn't work like that. Okay. You know, it's just like suddenly somebody starts doing something and they go crazy and stop buzzing. No. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and look, you're talking about recreational. You're not talking about going sure. crazy. Yeah. Now, there is a big difference when you're not recreational and you're nervous. Right, right. About something. That's different. Yeah. Then you're doing something wrong. And then by the time it hits, you've done too much to slow right. it down. That's right. different, and that it can be done with anything, including the big one of all of them, which is alcohol. Yeah, man. Yeah. The other ones will create certain nuances in your personality, but alcohol, anything yeah. fuel. Don't look for the other ones. The other ones might not be disruptive. Yeah, you want yeah, disruptive. Throw yeah. some damn alcohol into the mix, and you'll see disruptive. Yeah, I believe it. We I don't drink do either, not. so I believe Hello? it. Hello. Yeah. I mean, people have said, you know, I'm trying to bring a certain reality to the situation, so let's yeah. get real. You yeah. want to watch some reality TV? What do they fuel it with? <laughs> Alcohol. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, you know, let's That's remember, how they get what they want, right? Dude, nobody's going to get into a fight if you smoke the joints. No, no. <laughs> you're going to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or laugh right. a lot. Sure. <laughs> certainly not. Interesting. You know, like, people, are, yeah. people are just forgetting what they already know. Okay. Well, just a couple more questions. What do you do in your downtime? Do you? I'm guessing you don't have to work ever again if you don't want to. But it, you, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. In okay. that it's it's not what look, it's not what you know, it's what you teach. Uh, it's not what you have, it's what you build. Yeah. It's not it you know what I mean? You Yeah. If you are a passionate and curious individual, 
what makes you think it's work? I mean, it's not like we suddenly go home and go to sleep, for Christ's sake. Passion is that which wakes you up in the morning. Passion is that which won't even let you go to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, I can't help. I can't help hearing the song. Yeah. What do I do in my free time? Have fun. Same thing I'm doing right now. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> I could say I, 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 for fun, I like to travel and uh, play a little music, and like after dinner, I like to jam with my friends. Yeah. And uh, maybe I like to go nightclubbing a little bit once in a while. And well, that's also like working too, though, right? I mean, that's the amazing <laughs> thing. The line doesn't uh-huh. exist between the two. <laughs> For you, that's great. The the answer is duh. (laughs) Yeah, right. Was there anyone you wished you had worked with? Anyone you've admired? Robert Robert Fripp. Really? I wanted wanted to 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 hang out and to. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, there's there's so many wonderful musicians that you know you just I'd love to say like Carlos Santana, Jimi Hendrix. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Anybody. Okay. I want to work then, with D. I want to work with D. Atwood. <laughs> that would be. Really oh, cool. really? <laughs> I saw crazy. them in concert last year. They're nuts. Yeah, you like them, right. huh? Yeah. yeah. I like. Uh, interesting. It's just that they are certain. I mean, I don't know you. You. I mean, you like things. You. Yeah. I like Bjork. It's sometimes yeah. she goes off the wall. Right. Uh, Laurie Anderson did some amazing. Uh, yes things in her day. There's there's a lot of weird things that keep yeah. me entertained. Fascinating. Um, and on, on on the internet now with so many different videos, I like oh what is that guy's name? He is so funny. He has he's heavy set white guy and he's a rapper. He's really big. Oh my god, what's his name? Is he new? Is he like yeah, current? Rel- relatively. Oh, oh. let me. See. Do you know? I, I don't listen to much hip hop. Oh man, no, you gotta get turned on. Well, I oh, love I like the older hip hop. Action Bronson. Oh sure, I've heard of him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Classic. Oh, that's great. Very cool. Okay, Action I Bronson. This is this is the first time that we have spoken, and mm-hmm. so you know you meet a guy and you think that he's somebody, and you and, and quite honestly, I appreciate the accolade, and I'm certainly uh, so pleased to, to meet you. But there's a certain humanity in just meeting somebody that's nice and he's a regular guy, and, and yeah. although you do all these other things, we're just regular people, so right. quite honestly, I certainly am not going to say that David Bowie was a regular person. But he was regular to me. Sure, sure. And so yeah. that's the one thing that I can share. So you know, yeah, that's we can what I talk think is interesting. We, yeah, we kind of like that. And what's better way. than just talking to people about music? I mean, yeah. I love talking to my friends about music, and here I am talking to you about your music, which matters more to me than anyone else's music. So that's kind of uh, you've you've made a dream come true. Well, thank you very much. There you have it, the legendary Carlos Alomar. Think about it, guys. Bowie means so much. His music means so much to millions of people. And there are fewer people on this planet more responsible, other than David himself, 
for the sound of that music than Carlos Alomar. Man, so many interesting things to unpack in that conversation, right? It was so fascinating to hear him talk about how he has to be very careful about the kind of music he listens to so that it doesn't influence him to copy or plagiarize, at least that's what I understood from it. How often he listens to Bowie's music, which isn't very often, that actually makes a lot of sense. If you're in there making it, you probably aren't gonna go back and listen to it very often. The Eno stuff was interesting. D. Antword, wanting to work with them, that blows my mind. So many cool things. Somebody needs to make a movie about that family. Him and his wife and their daughter, Leah, there is a fascinating story there that I would love to dig in deeper on. So I really love that guy. I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things that I didn't quite comprehend. And I think it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about his view of music and creativity being a much bigger picture than mine. I'm sure it's just my limited understanding of how the process all works and how personalities like David Bowie works and, and criticism and all those things. There's a lot for me to comprehend there too, I admit it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. And you know, we didn't even get around to talking about some of his other collaborations like Arcadia, which is a band that I love. They were a Duran Duran splinter group. That's why I'm playing this song right here, Election Day. They only ever put out one album, it's awesome, and Carlos plays on it. As I said, I could have gone for days asking him more and more questions. He was probably smart to cut me off, honestly. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, go into our archives, listen to some other episodes. They're all good. There's really interesting characters in there. Some you know, some you may not know. Some you've probably forgotten about. Next week, we're going to be talking to a legend of 80s American college rock. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he's a legend. Write us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast, please. Find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can stay in connection with us that way. You can send me an email if there's somebody you want me to try and track down an interview for you at thehustlepod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. You can subscribe to our playlist on YouTube. Just type in the Hustle Podcast playlist. I always update that with interesting live clips and interviews and uh, various kind of random things, random videos that pertain to the guests we have on the show. Huge thanks to Jan Makiewicz, Jan the Man, our producer for producing this podcast. Thanks, folks.